Grace and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and from the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life. Go ahead and have a seat. So today uh, we're in week three of our four-week series called Mysteries of the Faith, uh, where we've been exploring our mysterious God, uh, his mysterious promises, and the mysterious ways that he interacts with us. Uh, So, so far in our series, we've talked about how he gives us his grace through the mysteries that we know as the sacraments of baptism and communion. Uh, Last week, we examined the mystery of of Jesus' ascension and what that means for us, uh, especially at the end of time when Jesus will come back to raise the dead. Um, As we continue today, we celebrate Pentecost and we talk about the mystery of of the Spirit, um, as we talk about this day that, that God kind of just set the world on fire. Um, and so as we observe this groundbreaking event, uh, we're going to be using two texts to do that, our, our Old Testament lesson from Numbers, and then our, our reading from Acts chapter 2. So if you would, grab your uh, sermon outline. It's on this, this insert that you have there. And you'll see, kind of just look at the outline real quick, you'll see that we're going to look at four things that the Spirit does. And we're going to kind of draw parallels between what happened with Moses and the 70 elders and what happened on the day of Pentecost. So if you have a Bible with you or if you have your phone and you want to use the Bible app or something like that, um, I'd encourage you to do that, kind of follow along. We're going to be jumping back and forth between Numbers and Acts quite a bit, but I I wanted to point that out to you. I also, while you have that out, want to point out not only that there's space in the sermon outline for you to take notes, you know, if, if I say something that makes you think of another scripture passage or something that, that maybe you haven't thought of before, something you'd like to remember, take home, jot that down. Um, on the other side, we encourage you to, to take this home with you. That's why it's a separate insert, so you don't have to take the whole service folder home unless you want to. Uh, but we want you to pull this out and take this home. On the back, um, we have just these four sections, reflect, get in the word, and pray, and then we just have some information for next week. But I have a couple questions there that I've, I've put there for you to, to think about on your own or talk with your family about. Um, and then I just went through, and this is a pretty small selection of the passages in the scriptures that talk about the work of the Holy Spirit, uh, but kind of just went in, in canonical order there. And I'd encourage you to take some time this week and, and look at each one of those and just kind of see what, what they can teach you about, about the Spirit's work uh, in your life and in our world. Uh, But for now, uh, let's go ahead and jump right in to Numbers chapter 11. Uh, So Don gave us a little bit of the context here, how Israel was was grumbling for meat because all they had was bread. And um, we're pretty hard on Israel usually and all their whining in the desert and things like that. And we tend to think, you know, we we wouldn't have done that. Um, How many of you, if you did not have meat to eat for like months at a time, would get a little cranky? Yeah. And those of you who are not raising your hands are probably lying, um, which you shouldn't do in church or anywhere. But yeah, so, uh, so Moses is pretty overwhelmed and he asks for help and God says, yes, uh, but not just yes, I'm going to do something pretty spectacular, pretty different, pretty crazy. Um, and so up to this point, Moses has been the leader in Israel. He's the one that meets with God in the tent of meeting face to face And very significantly, he is the one who is described as having the Spirit of God resting on him in a very unique, kind of -of one-of-a-kind sort of way. And so here in Numbers 11, God tells Moses, 
okay, gather up the 70 elders of Israel, and I am going to take some of my spirit that rests on you and place it on them. And so the first thing that we see in in Numbers 11 is that the spirit shows up and makes things happen. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to him and took some of the spirit that was on him and put it on the 70 elders. And as soon as the spirit rested on them, they prophesied. In other words, the very moment the spirit of God is given to these men, their mouths are opened to speak the truths of God. God's spirit comes not of their volition, but of his own. And does these amazing, powerful, and surprising things, validating the authority of the elders and manifesting his presence among them. Okay, now let's jump ahead to Acts chapter 2. So here we have not the 70 elders of Israel, but the 12 apostles of Jesus gathered in one place. And all of a sudden, the Spirit shows up and makes things happen. Suddenly, there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So here also, the very moment the Spirit of God is given to these men, their mouths are opened to speak the truths of God, but this time, not just to the people of Israel, but to all nations, sharing what God has done for the world through the death and resurrection of Jesus. And so this event here in in Acts chapter 2 is the logical, natural follow-up to the ascension of Jesus that we talked about last week. Now last week we said that, that even though Jesus has left us, he did so in order that he will always be with us. And one of the main ways that he does this, is by sending his Holy Spirit, just as he promised. And so the Spirit of God has come to us, not of our volition, but of his own. He's come to be with us. And so what does this look like in your life? Has the Holy Spirit shown up and made things happen? Absolutely. If you've been baptized, that same Holy Spirit has come rushing into your heart has brought along his powerful presence and has given you the gifts of forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation. Jesus himself cried out in John chapter 7, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And John says that when he says that, he was talking about the Holy Spirit who hadn't yet been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. But guess what? Now the Spirit has been given. Because Jesus has been glorified. In his message at our traditional services last week, Pastor Brandt talked a lot about the glorification of Jesus and how, especially in John's gospel, uh, the glory of Jesus is seen not so much in the ascension, but on the cross. That's where the glory of Jesus is most clearly found. And so, on that cross, Jesus took upon himself all of your sins, And on the cross, when Jesus was glorified in his sacrifice and in his death for you, he was winning glory for you and redemption and life. And so now, now Jesus, who has done all of this for you, has 
given you his Holy Spirit. He's breathed into you the breath of life so that you have become a living being. And it was really cool. Uh, This weekend at St. Lawrence, Pentecost weekend, we've had the privilege of baptizing five children. Uh, What a fitting day uh, for that to happen. God has given the gift of his Holy Spirit to those children through baptism and to you. And he continues to pour out his spirit on you through his sacraments and through his word. Now, God promises that whenever his word is spoken, his spirit is active. And there are a couple uh, images I want to show you here real quick. Uh, this one is a sculpture, or whatever you want to call it, that's affixed to the front of the pulpit in the chapel at Concordia Seminary in St. Louis, uh, where I went to school. And uh, it's just this, this wonderful image of the Holy Spirit coming down as a dove in flames, just kind of dive-bombing everybody who hears God's word and just setting them on fire. Well, our logo here at St. Lawrence is actually meant to do the same thing. I don't know if you've noticed this. This was updated just a few years ago. But you have, again, the, the Holy Spirit as this flaming dove coming down. And this is meant to remind us that, that the Holy Spirit shows up and makes things happen is always at work through his word, through his chosen means to change our hearts and to change our lives. And yet, even though we know that the Holy Spirit will always be here in the ways that he has promised, our two texts for today also remind us that the Holy Spirit doesn't always play by the rules. So as the 70 elders of Israel were in the tent of the Lord, prophesying in the Spirit, uh, we learn that these guys named Eldad and Medad and Abednadad, okay, a few of you are listening, yeah, no, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, this is just Eldad and Medad, uh, great names, by the way, any of you prospective parents looking for a good name for your son, could probably go for a girl nowadays too, Eldad and Medad, but anyway, these two guys are still in the camp, they had kind of RSVP'd for the party, and then, like people sometimes do, They didn't show up. And so instead of leaving them out of what happens, uh, Eldad and Medad are still given the Holy Spirit and they begin to prophesy in the camp. And apparently this this caused quite a ruckus. Well, some 1,400 years later, the coming of the Spirit causes quite a stir in Jerusalem as well. Acts tells us that as the apostles begin to utter the, the mysteries of God in foreign languages... Now, the people gathered in the city from all over the world uh, could be described in all sorts of ways with words like bewildered, amazed, astonished, perplexed. Each of these shows up in in just those few verses in Acts chapter 2. They are just blown away by this great mystery that they're encountering, uh, that the Spirit has come in this way. You know, the Spirit wasn't playing by the rules, these... uh, these uneducated, unimportant, backwater Galileans are speaking the truths of God in the tongues of the whole world. And there was power in their words. The Spirit doesn't really play by the rules in our lives either. Martin Luther has famously said in his small catechism that I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength. In fact, if you know this, say it with me. I'll start over. I believe that I cannot, by my own reason or strength, believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him, but 
The Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, sanctified and kept me in the true faith. So uh, school teachers, if you saw one of your students and they got all of that, maybe count that for their memory work this week. Um, But yeah, by my own reason or strength, that's kind of the way that we typically think we ought to be advancing in life whether economically or or socially or politically or whatever it may be, uh, we tend to to think that that's that's the American way, right? If I work hard enough, if I'm good enough, I can do anything I put my mind to. If I put in enough hours, if I hone my skills, if I get enough face time with the boss, if I sacrifice, you know, just a little bit here and there, the time that I have with my family, then, then that's how I'll get ahead in life. And we even let this mindset bleed into our spiritual lives, allowing ourselves to, to kind of live by these mantras that, you know, like God helps those who help themselves, or do your best and God will do the rest. The problem with this mindset is that it fails to recognize the biblical truth that our best is never going to begin to be good enough. The Bible teaches us that our own reason or strength is so warped and corrupted by sin that all it can do is get us in trouble. By my own reason or strength might be our way, but it is not the Spirit's way. The Spirit's way is mysterious. It is perplexing. The Spirit's way is to bring us to faith, not of our own volition, but of His. Not by our efforts, but by God's Word sanctify us, not by our own reason or strength, but by the power of his presence working in us. God doesn't do the rest. God does it all. This runs completely counter to our typical way of thinking. The Spirit doesn't play by the rules. And if we're honest, um, sometimes this rubs us sinners the wrong way. It certainly did for Joshua in our Old Testament text. He hears word of Eldad and Medad. Can you hear me? All right. Do you want to hear me? All right. Good. You're supposed to say yes no matter what there. Um, okay. So Joshua hears word of Eldad and Medad prophesying in the camp. And his first reaction, even though it's not recorded, is, wow, those are some cool names. Um, but right after that, he runs to Moses and he says, my Lord, Moses, stop them. You know, cut off their microphone. Kill the battery. You know, don't let them talk anymore. Um, that was kind of weird timing, wasn't it? Um, the spirit, you know, doesn't play by the rules. And so the spirit encounters resistance, even from a great servant of the Lord, just like Joshua. Eldad and Medad shouldn't be prophesying. They, they couldn't even be bothered to show up to the tent when they were summoned by Moses. What business do they have speaking on God's behalf? Joshua was offended at this breach of etiquette. And so with good intentions, he sought to extinguish 
the flames of the Spirit, to dismiss the work of the Spirit as inappropriate or out of place. Well, this sort of thing happens in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost, too. Uh, For the most part, the multitude was amazed and and just overwhelmed by this mysterious mysterious thing that was happening, uh, just kind of at a loss for what was going on. But, Acts tells us, others, mocking, said, they're filled with new wine. Here the Spirit of the living God has fallen in full force on the apostles, manifesting his presence in powerful ways, and yet he was dismissed and shrugged off by some as the result of some mid-morning inebriation. On the day of his great homecoming to the world he had helped to create, the Spirit encountered resistance. You know, he did in our hearts, too. It wasn't just that we were unable to come to God. In our sin, we were in active rebellion against him. And yet, in his mercy, he broke through our defenses. And he made our dead hearts alive in Christ. But sin's hold on us is not completely broken yet in this life. And so we would do well to ask ourselves, what artificial barriers have we set up that might be getting in the way of the Spirit's work? It befits us to learn from Joshua and from the mockers on that first Pentecost and ask if there is anything that we are doing, maybe even with the best of intentions, that is standing in the way of what the Spirit wants to do. We would also do well to uh, be reminded by these events here that that when we are living by the Spirit of God, uh, we can expect to encounter mockery and persecution and people kind of telling us to knock it off with all that Jesus stuff because they, they don't understand what God has done in our lives. So when this happens, and it will, don't be discouraged. Don't stop being a bold witness for Jesus. Mockery does not discredit the good news that you proclaim. In fact, it validates it. And in all of this, remember that you have absolutely nothing to fear, because our last point is that the Spirit cannot be contained. This was the lesson that Moses taught Joshua uh, when he responded to his well-meaning objections by saying, would that all the Lord's people were prophets, but the Lord would put his Spirit on them. Joshua was jealous for Moses' sake, but Moses eagerly desired that the gift of the Spirit that he had would be given to all of God's people. Moses understood that, that with the fire in him being shared with others, it wouldn't result in a diminished share for himself. He realized that just like when you use your candle to light someone else's, you don't suddenly have less fire yourself, but the fire spreads and grows and benefits everybody, giving them light and warmth. And so the beauty of Pentecost is that Moses' wish here actually comes true. As the Spirit is given to the people, Peter says that Joel's prophecy is being fulfilled through whom God had said, In the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So while it may not be the case that that all of the Lord's people are prophets in that narrow sense, it is very much the case 
that ever since Pentecost, the Lord has put his spirit on all his people. Now, this past week, this truth uh, really hit home for me uh, when I encountered a couple of different sources. Uh, the first was when I read a, a devotion by our uh, seminary's president about uh, Pastor Carlos Winterly, who's a pastor in Mozambique, Africa, and he was being awarded an honorary doctorate by the seminary. And in his speech, uh, he said, a new Pentecost is happening in Mozambique, and God is adding more and more people to his family. And, and here's what he was talking about. In 2015, like two years ago, the Lutheran Church in Mozambique had 10 congregations. Now, there are more than 80 churches. From 1,000 church members in 2015, they now, today, have over 5,000. And the church is spreading from the little villages into the cities of the country. And Mozambique is not the only place in Africa that this sort of thing is happening. The second source I encountered was actually an article shared on our St. Lawrence Facebook page uh, that kind of studied how the church is growing in Africa. And it predicts uh, that by the year 2060, 40% of the world's Christians will be living in sub-Saharan Africa. The Spirit cannot be contained. And He is doing amazing things on that continent. But he's also doing amazing things right here. God has poured out his spirit on all flesh, and that means the people of Africa, but it also means you. In John chapter 3, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus about uh, the Holy Spirit in this conversation that's sometimes called Nick at night, because Nicodemus comes to him uh, when it's dark and nobody's going to see him and wonder what's going on. And in this conversation, Jesus compares the Holy Spirit to the wind. And actually, in the ancient Greek, in the original Greek of the New Testament, uh, spirit and wind are exactly the same word. And so Jesus says, the wind blows wherever it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. And then he says this, so it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Now, back in the 90s, uh, DC Talk was one of my favorite bands, and um, on their Jesus Freak album, they had a song where they use a, a little soundbite from one of Billy Graham's sermons uh, where he's talking about this, and I think we're going to get this to work. Uh, it's just like 14 seconds, so let's listen to it. Can you see God? Have you ever seen him? I've never seen the wind. I see the effects of the wind, but I've never seen the wind. So it didn't, that clip didn't work over at the church, so I had to do like my best Billy Graham impression, um, which is pretty poor. Uh, But I like how he, he ends that by saying, there's a mystery to it. There is a mystery to how the Spirit works. And here's the thing, if Jesus is to be believed, which whenever you hear that phrase, Yes, he should be. If Jesus is to be believed, there is a mystery to the way that you and I live that out. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. On that first Pentecost, the people gathered in Jerusalem were bewildered at what was happening through the apostles. And they asked themselves, what does this mean? That's how we know they were Lutherans, by the way. Do people see 
the Spirit's work in your life? Are they bewildered by what he's doing? Are they asking themselves, what does this mean? You have the answer. It means that Jesus is risen from the dead and that that changes everything. And like the the 70 elders of Israel, like the 12 apostles of Jesus, you have been fully equipped for the task of sharing that message by the measure of the Spirit given to you. The Spirit cannot be contained. So let's pray that we might be instruments of his mysterious power and movement in this world. It may not always look that powerful like it does right now in in Africa, but Jesus promises that when we are open to the Spirit's leading, we will have the same effect as the Spirit himself does. And that is a great mystery. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the peace of God which transcends our understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Next week, uh, we'll be wrapping up our series, uh, Mysteries of the Faith, by tackling maybe the greatest mystery of all, and that's uh, the Holy Trinity as, as we celebrate Trinity Sunday. So we'll look forward to that, 10.15 in the gym next week.